Welcome to Percolating Perspective, the podcast that offers you some perspective on America and her culture. Today, we discuss America's most unsuccessful boxer with only three wins and one loss. This super featherweight weighing in at only 128 pounds would change the world and more specifically America forever. Now, don't forget the show's name will change on May 1st to Brood in America. In order to attract more freedom-loving coffee drinkers such as yourself and to maximize our search engine optimization, we're making some fairly dramatic changes to our advertisement while still bringing you great content about the greatest country in human history. Now, let's get into the drip of the day. Today's drip comes from Cleveland, Ohio, the hometown of our inconsequential boxer. This coffee is called Brazil Cerrado of Solstice Roasters in Cleveland. If you're looking for a coffee that is refined but fun, exciting but classy, vibrant but tasteful, this is your coffee. Coincidentally, those things also describe today's subject. With beans coming to the states from Cerrado, Brazil, this coffee has a distinct almond and nutmeg flavor. It actually goes really good with biscotti. Now, before you start throwing rotten tomatoes at your radio and ruining your own car, uh, for suggesting biscotti in the first place, that's what the roaster recommended. And to be completely honest with you, they nailed it. The uh, full um, the full flavor coffee, it is a little bit on the expensive side, clocking in at $16 a bag, but the largeness of the flavor and an aroma that will certainly have your guests asking about it, I believe is worth it. And it's better than community coffee, which is $10 a bag. So that's worth an extra six bucks, right? So Gordon, who is this boxer that was so terrible that you decided to make an entire episode about it? Or about him, rather. This is 2023, so I better stick with it, huh? This boxer was born in London, England in 1903 by the name of Leslie Towns Hope. His father, an English stonemason and Welsh mother, Avis Towns, had seven sons in total, with Leslie being the fifth. In search for true freedom, the family, family of nine boarded the SS Philadelphia, on which they would sail to Ellis Island in 1908, when Leslie was almost five years old, not quite by a few months. Once settling in in Cleveland, Ohio, Leslie would sing and dance and perform comedy on the streets uh, at age 12 to earn pocket money. Also at age 12, Leslie would win a talent contest for his impersonation of Charlie, Charlie Chaplin. I can only imagine that wasn't too difficult, being that he was mostly in silent films, but hey. Put on a top hat and a Hitler mustache and you win the contest. Several years later, in 1919, Leslie would take on stage name Packy East as a boxer. Standing only 5 foot 10 inches tall with a reach of 72 inches, Leslie knew quickly that his days as a boxer were extremely limited and after a few odd jobs, landed on a career in show business. In 1929, Leslie would officially change his name and begin pioneering one of my favorite forms of art. All right, Gordon, enough of the suspense. Who is this guy? Well, this terrible boxer turned brilliant comedian is no other than the great Bob Hope. Bob would be quick to tell you that he was not a great comedian at all, and it was that self-deprecating humility that would not only produce some of the greatest comedy of all time, but also some of the greatest acts of service of all time. 
Bob still holds the record for hosting the Academy Awards 19 times, appearing in over 70 short and feature films in which 54 of those he starred in. Almost half of those, by the way, Bing Crosby got top billing, even though Bob Hope was far more reputable at the time. Hope's comedy is nothing to be ignored. In fact, some of his greatest lines were, uh, one for, of which was, she said she was approaching 40, but I couldn't help but wonder from which direction. Another one, speaking of golf, he said, a photographer kept shooting me every time I'd swing. I was really flattered until I found out he was from Field and Stream. A common tagline of this show, Percolating Perspective, has been, it's very difficult to preserve the culture if you don't remember it. It's so incredibly hard to put words uh, onto how enormous of an impact Bob Hope had on American culture. But perhaps I can put it into letters. USO. Bob Hope has become synonymous with the USO, or what uh, was originally called the United Service Organizations. Still called that, it's just easier to say USO. The USO, as defined by their website, has been the nation's leading organization to serve the men and women in the U.S. military and their families. The USO strengthens America's military service members by keeping them entertained, connected to their family, home, and country throughout their service to the nation. Bob Hope served the men and women in uniform from the opening of the USO in 1941 until Operation Desert Shield in 1991, 50 years And just a quick side note here, the reason he stopped is the USO began censoring his comedy for fear of offending the Saudis. Quite a change in 50 years. During that 50 years, Bob spent 48 Christmases overseas with an American service personnel, or with American service personnel, rather. War correspondent Quentin Reynolds commented on Bob Hope's service saying, quote, Bob and his troop would do 300 miles in a Jeep, get out, and then give four shows. To give you an idea of just how impactful Bob Hope was to the morale of the U.S. military, in, the, in World War II, by 1947, the U.S., or the, excuse me, the Nazis, uh, the German Nazis, tried to have Bob Hope killed three separate times in Germany as well as in the uh, Asian Pacific Islands. So, uh, pretty incredible guy. If you have that kind of an impact that a, an entire government entity is trying to kill you to win a war, that's quite an impact. But why did Bob Hope spend so much time and so many Christmases overseas? Well, I think he answered this in two statements. Bob said, if you haven't got any charity in your heart, you've got the worst kind of heart. He also said, Quote, my idea of Christmas, whether old-fashioned or modern, is very simple, loving others. Now, the kind of charity he's talking about there is a wide range of charity. It's biblical charity. Charity meaning love, love for your brother. The Bible says that, uh, you know, of the greatest things that you can do, the first commandment, you might say, is loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The second being like unto it, and that is loving your neighbor as yourself. Bob Hope did that with his neighbors in the armed forces and the uniform, and he did an amazing job at it, so much so that the USO still to this day has awards named after the man. He essentially built the USO into what it is, and all of that was done on the back of being charitable and giving of his time and his fortune to the men and women who were trying to protect this country and protect the rights, the God-given rights that our government was established to protect. This kind of charity is not something that has to be done by somebody who's just loaded with wealth. 
There are plenty of organizations that you can spend your time and $5 on if you wanted to, to have uh, what Bob Hope would consider the same impact he did. Bob Hope was a very humble person and did not think anything of himself. In fact, that's a lot of the reason why he spent so much time overseas is because he thought a lot more of the men in uniform than he thought of himself. Several of these, one is called the Honor Foundation. Um, This is an organization that's through the the Wounded Warrior Project and one that I've actually personally spent some time with. Uh, The Honor Foundation is based off of Eglin Air Force Base down in um, the south end of Okaloosa County in the Panhandle of Florida. But the Honor Foundation is is an organization that spends time trying to teach the Special Forces guys getting out of the military and into the real world. It teaches them how to cope with the civilian workforce, how to, you know, perform in an interview, how to get a resume together, and it spends time with them and works with them and kind of, uh, you know, massages their personality, if you will, to get them into the civilian workforce and help them feel comfortable getting into an interview so they don't go in. You know, it, it's amazing to think about it, but some of these guys, they've been they've been in the military 20 years, right out of high school. They've never had to have a resume. They've never had to do an interview. The only thing close to that is, you know, maybe performance reviews or something like that, but Generally speaking, your your um, your promotions are somewhat scheduled, and when you really get high, high up in the ranks, you do have some sort of interviews with the Senate, who will confirm you know generals and higher ranking officials like that, colonels, majors, um, and they really handle all of the promotions at some point. But this particular organization helps really all service members, but particularly focuses on uh, the special forces. In fact, one guy that I had the privilege of meeting, an incredible guy uh, with the Honor Foundation, actually, uh, I have no idea why he needed my help, but uh, he was trying to get used to interviews and getting used to the resume process. This guy was a JAG general, and he had been in the in the military since I believe it was 2002 or 2004. This guy the highlight of his career, he wrote the operation manual and the procedures for the Space Force after President Trump set that up. So what he wrote is now a historical document. It's incredible. He wrote the procedures for an, an entire, entirely new branch of the military he put together and actually wrote it. In- incredible. I, again, I have no idea why he needed my help. He was, I was, I was way over my head even trying to help the guy. But anyway, check out the Honor Foundation. Again, they're pretty local to uh, Eglin Air Force Base. I believe they might be national, um, but uh, they are always looking for help uh, in in helping to get these guys uh, trained up for civilian the civilian work life. And it's a great way to spend your time. And you meet a lot of amazing people. In fact, um, I haven't told my dad this yet. He's learning about it right now listening to this podcast. But one of the guys I had the chance to interview with, uh, he was in the Navy and actually knew one of my five father's friends growing up. Uh, really cool guy. He was an EOD, um, a man. I can't remember his last name. It was, uh, uh, gosh, Lombardo, Lombardi, I think was his name. But anyway, fascinating guy. Um, and whenever he told me that he wanted to get into sales, I was not surprised. <laughs> he was a uh, clean cut, fast talker, and he is going to rock the sales world. So uh, anyway, enough about that. Check out the, found- the Honor Foundation. Spend some time there. Look at Wounded Warriors also. The Honor Foundation is powered by uh, the Wounded Warrior project and the course of wounded warriors needs no introduction they've been an, an amazing outfit for a long time uh, and well worth uh, every dime you give them uh, there's also DAV, uh, Disabled American Veterans Charitable Service Trust, uh, another very reputable great organization and a great place to spend your time and money 
also uh, a modern-day Bob Hope, maybe not so much in the comedy world, but in the entertainment world, the Gary Sinise Foundation. Uh, Gary Sinise is an incredible guy, and he's got an incredible organization um, that uh, you can do your own research on and and, uh, take a look at that and see if that's something that you're interested in and giving. But all that to say, you know, Bob Hope gave of his time and his money um, and, you know, his example of, of being charitable and serving those uh, that are willing to put their neck on the line for the country and, and are willing to pay the last full measure of devotion, uh, you know, it's worth our time and effort to take care of them. Uh, and, and we all know the government's not going to do it. And, you know, to some degree, you know, I wish they would, but, you know, really, if we want the government to do more, or I'm sorry, if we want the government to do less, we have to do more. And I know firsthand that the individual American can do far more, far more and do it far better than the government could ever hope to do. Now, all the service, all the charitable stuff out of the way, I'm going to gush on Bob Hope for just a few minutes, just being a comedy fan, loving comedy as long as I have. Uh, he was known for one-liners, which fits a podcast great, and to honor the father of stand-up comedy. And that's he really truthfully was. As far as stand-up comedy, there, there was comedy shows, there was vaudeville, there was all that sort of stuff. A lot of it was slapstick. As far as getting up in front, one person getting up in front of people, grabbing a microphone and just knocking them dead, Bob Hope is the pioneer of doing that. He is amazing. You need to spend some time, go on YouTube, and just get lost in a Bob Hope wormhole. <clears throat> I've got a few uh, one-liners on here I want to read you, though. Uh, one is, uh, uh, let's see here. I don't know what people have against government. They haven't done anything. <laughs> that goes well with percolating perspective. Uh, let's see. Um, <laughs> I love flying. I've uh, been to almost as many places as my luggage. Um, I'm so old, they've canceled my blood type. Some people put us down, but I'm still, I still haven't heard of any Americans trying to swim across the border into Mexico. Uh, let's see. It's a wonderful world. It may destroy itself, but you'll be able to watch it on TV. You know you've reached middle age when your weightlifting consists merely of standing up. The older you get, the tougher it is to lose weight, because by then, your body and your fat are really good friends. I've seen what a laugh can do. It can transform almost unbearable tears into something bearable, even hopeful. Along that, he also says, you know, laughter is among the best medicine. And the reason being he knows that is you've never seen a hyena with heartburn. With that, go watch some Bob Hope videos on YouTube. Consider spending time and your money helping veterans and the active duty personnel. America honors its men and women in uniform. That's part of the American culture that we've lost. I think we've let ourselves get into this idea that the military either is not worth serving or worth admiring. Either it's that on one extreme or the other extreme is, well, they're the military. I mean, they're probably going to be able to take care of themselves. They're some of the most intelligent, highly trained people in the world. While that's true, it's it's you can't put yourself in their shoes. It's a completely different world on the other side of the fence. And I've, I've never been over there, but uh, on, at least on that side of the fence. But just talking to many, uh, many, many people that have been in service and growing up with people, um, you know, older friends that were in the service or were, were in the service when I was, you know, a kid, it's a completely different world. It's a world that nobody understands. It's all acronyms and it's, you know, uh, jargon and and manuals and, you know, it's it's a completely different world, a completely different life. And not only is, is the transition out of active duty into the civilian world is that 
um, you know, difficult for them. But you also got to remember, you know, yes, the name has changed over and over again, but what was once considered shell shock is still a thing. We just now call it PTSD. And that's something that's, you know, that's very, very prevalent uh, among our active service members. And, you know, the USO and organizations like that that spend their time overseas entertaining, while it's not something that they can completely cure, I think it's something that they can absolutely help and do help and have been helping for a long time. And it takes people like Bob Hope uh, to do that. And what I don't mean by that is rich and famous. What I mean by that is somebody with a big heart and a lot of humility. So take some time to think about that. Think about where our culture can do better. Um, You know, our culture, look, there's a lot of places in our culture that are sick and a lot of places in our culture that need to get better and, and need some real work. But our attitude towards our service members, I think, is one place that we really, really need to focus on. And I know that, you know, trust me, I know that a lion's share of the portion of this audience is probably Christian conservatives. And I don't think Christian conservatives are necessarily the problem, although there are a strain of Christian conservatives that are very, very weird when it comes to the, the military. But we see what the left and what the progressive left, you might say, what they think of the military. And, you know, look, I'm with you. It's difficult to reconcile with that. It's difficult to look past that. And it's difficult to, you know, to befriend somebody or to even get into conversations with people like that and not get angry. But you have to remember, America is worth it. America is worth remembering what our culture once stood for. And I know that's going to take more work on the other side than our side, if you want to call it that. Uh, But, you know, to truth be told, I don't know, um, I don't know a lot of people personally who do get involved in the, and the Wounded Warrior Projects and the Honor Foundations and the Gary Sinise Foundations. I don't know, and I'm sure that there's a lot of people that do it and just don't like telling people, and that's admirable and honorable. But I do think it's something that, you know, even conservative Christians, Americans like we are, we have a lot of work to do that we can do in that in that arena. So with that said, America, I love you. Pray for your nation and pray for your military. Until next week, God bless America. See you next week.